Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us for All Things Evangelism. Today I have a, a really cool guest and we have a fantastic topic to discuss. We're talking today about friendliness and how that plays into winning souls for Jesus. Um, I'm here with Abel Yorgalescu. He's a good friend and the, the General Secretary of the North New South Wales Conference. Um, you want to say hi, Abel? No, no, I don't want to say hi. <laughs> Matt, thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be with you, part of this podcast, uh, especially as we talk about evangelism. Yeah, yes. man. Uh, so funny because when you said, no, I don't want to say hi, I was thinking, <laughs> what, you don't want to be friendly? <laughs> We're talking about friendliness. So yeah, listen, the All Things Evangelism podcast is where I get together with, with brothers and sisters in Christ who love the Word of God, and mm. we just discuss what the Bible has to say in certain areas. Um, and today we're talking about friendliness and how that plays into evangelism and being successful soul winners for Jesus. Jesus says that we're the light of the world. Mm. And uh, that's because we reflect Jesus. And so um, we know that if we want to win people, we've got to like them, we've got to care for them, and we've got to show them friendliness. Uh, and if we don't, it's not, yeah, we're not going to be as successful in our mission, in our ministry. Okay, so I want to talk about a couple passages of Scripture real quick just to mm. get into the conversation. Um, I was thinking this morning before we talked to Abel about uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, and it's a very short verse, mm -hmm. but it carries a really powerful principle in it. And it says, for we love God because He first loved us. Loved us. Th this teaches us that uh, God is the initiator in uh, our relationship with mm -hmm. him. Um, we didn't just start loving him you know, out of nowhere. We began to love him. Love was drawn out of us towards him because first he, he loved us. And so this, this, there's a principle contained in this verse that I guess, I guess I'd call the principle of uh, like attracting like or same, same attracting same. So love is drawn out of us because God loves us. So his love for us causes us to love him. And I guess, so that principle would then transfer to just friendliness. Like, we're friendly to someone else. They're friendly to us. We like someone else. They like us. What do you think of that? Well, look, I think, first of all, like, the Bible says that God is love. Mm -hmm. And um, he, of course, bestows love upon us as his creation. But what's interesting is that he created us to be loved. And when we lack that, we, we don't function on our maximum at capacity. Our yeah, the best, exactly. So mm -hmm. when we experience that love, from God, we of course love Him back. And mm -hmm. if we transfer that principle to a human relationship, yeah. you know, we like to hang around people that, in a way, show love towards us. Why? Because we reach our best and yeah, we right. feel appreciated. And, uh, you know, why would, I mean, we think of Jesus Christ when He was on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, crowds were following Him and He yeah. was called a friend of sinners because these sinners were receiving the attention, the care, and the love. Mm -hmm that the religious teachers at that time weren't giving to weren't. them. It's so interesting that you say that too, because with Jesus, he's, okay, he's able to do what other people can't do. Mm. And you and I know that as humans, we like to be around people who are um, important and successful. And it's just, it's just the reality of the fact. So if there's a really great preacher, wow, he speaks amazingly. We want to be near that person. If there's a very talented musician, you just, you just think, wow, that person's amazing. You, you, you have a desire to be near them. Um, Jesus is this really important, special kind of a guy because he can like, make blind people see. 
and yet he's giving a lot of attention and time to nobodies. Mm. I'm thinking of the woman of the well, John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. Yeah. You know, he, he said to his disciples, I need to go through Samaria. Not, not, not that he had to go, but you know, yeah. there, was, there, there were other routes, but he wanted to be there because that woman had no friends. Right. And he wanted to become the true, honest, loving friend and show her a better, a better way of living. Right, right. It's, if, if someone shows you attention, like that feels good. If someone really amazing shows you attention, that's even better. You know, Jesus went out of his way to yeah. be with her. And what God is calling us, you know, he's calling you, Matt, he's calling me, yeah. is to sometimes go out of our ways to be a true friend for those that are lonely. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Hey, do you, do you kind of get the point that I'm making in regards to like you feeling good to the degree that a person is amazing? Like you wouldn't expect if you're a peasant in the Near East for the Messiah to take personal interest in you. Right? Like that just wouldn't generally be how you... I, I wouldn't imagine that the average peasant from you know, Nazareth or Capernaum would be thinking in their head like, oh yeah, when the Messiah shows up, he's going to want to be my personal friend. They generally think, well, he's just going to kind of court the favor of the politically important. He's going to be in the Militarily throne. powerful. Yeah. He's going to sit on the throne and then he's going to take us all to glory and kill the Romans and then, yeah, we'll be the great people. And that's reflected in the disciples when they see the kids coming to Jesus. And they're like, hey, he's... He's too busy. Too important for this. He's too important for the kids. Right. And then he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not too important for them. Mm. I'm actually interested in them. And th how amazing would that make you feel? How liked would that make you feel? You know, like, that's... And even today, I mean, people are... We think of those uh, people searching for autographs, you know, because they want attention from someone that is important. important. Yeah. Yeah, that's And it. here we have the creator of heaven and earth willing to give us that attention. And sometimes we turn mm. our back to him. So people are loving Jesus because... He's obviously, he's loving them, mm. and uh, they're feeling like super fired up about that. And 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 so G Jesus says in uh, John twenty, just to, to, and this is my springboard into the rest of our conversation here. So we love God because He first loved us. And Jesus says in John twenty, around verse twenty one, to His disciples, He says, uh, "Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you." Mm. So we're just talking about Jesus and how he's loving people and then how they're responding to that love, that kindness, that generosity, that friendliness with the same. So like is attracting like. And then Jesus says, oh, um, by the way, disciples, as the Father sent me, so I send you. When I hear that, I kind of get like, uh, you know, a bit intimidated <laughs> a little bit, you know, like as the Father sent me, so I send you. But, um, but then it says right in the passage that he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So you're going to be empowered by the Spirit to be as I was in the world. And obviously he was friendly and very generous and, and caring for people. You see, I never saw that verse in light of this topic in terms of, you know, showing that friendship and right. love to those Neither did I until this morning. You know, I've always, you know, Jesus sent us. Well, of course he sent us to, to proclaim the gospel and to share the good news and, and you know, the idea of uttering words of hope. Yep. But he's actually sending us to live lives defined by hope and true and love and friendship. Yep. You know, um, I'm thinking of uh, Ephesians, for example, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and it says there, Therefore, be imitators of God right. as dear children. Can you think of that idea? Be imitators of God. And, and Paul goes on explaining in Ephesians, Walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us. So, you know, what does it mean to be imitators of God? Mm. What does it mean to go out there in the world and, and be imitators of God? Is basically go 
and be a true friend. Yep. Love those around you with, with a true, sincere, honest heart. So, it, it goes back to the very yep. first you started, you know, in, John, in First John chapter four, verse eight, and you know, as, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you now. Right. Imitate me. Uh, imitate me, dude. It's so cool. So lately, I've been watching my son, my oldest son, and he's doing this weird kind of whistle thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just so. So anytime something happens and he's impressed, or he thinks it's like a way for him to say "Wow," right? Mm -hmm. So every, you know, so like whatever. celebrate. Well, well like we say, he says something like, "Dad, what's the tallest mountain?" And I'll say, "Oh, it's Mount Everest." And they'll say, "Well, how tall is that?" And I'll say, "Oh, well, you know, it's twenty-five thousand feet." <laughs> and then he goes, like "Wow!" He was this, like, like thing. And I just was like wondering, like, where did he pick this up from? Like, why is, he, why is he doing this? You know? Probably from his dad? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, I didn't know where he got it from. I was like, this is so silly. And the other day, somebody said something that impressed me, and I went, but that's not how I did it. I just did this weird little whistle. I did, yeah, I did like a weird little whistle just like that. I whistled, and then it hit me. I was like, oh, wow, he's imitating me. Mm. It's just it's his natural thing. And I think like with your girls, I'm sure you guys see that in your home. And you know, your kids, they just, they just copy you. They just, they're little parrots. The thing is, they copy everything, you know, good and bad. And, and how sometimes they, <laughs> yeah, that's right. they, you know, when they see me preaching, you know, everyone has their own position and, you know, either a hand in a pocket or, you know, stand on one leg or something. Yeah. They come home and they imitate, this is what he did, this is what he did. You know, they, they take notice of that and they yeah. love to imitate us. And that verse is saying that, like, be imitators of Jesus. And, you know, I love this idea of be imitators of God because that encompasses everything. It's who you are as a person. It's not about the words that you say. You know, sometimes we, we limit Christianity to a message we utter, but it's more than that. It's who you are and how you live your life. You know, for example, in, in Ministry of Healing, Ellen White wrote, what a man is has more influence than what he says. Mm. You know, we can, we can get up and preach, you know, that God is love, and we can say all these things that God forgives sinners, but if I do not show that type of love in my life, if I do not show forgiveness in my family or to those around me, yeah. I'm really diminishing the power of the word because I'm not living. I haven't been transformed by what I'm preaching. And I think that was the important aspect when Jesus breathed onto his disciples the Holy Spirit because that's what we need in order to be imitators of God. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Totally true. Okay, so I think that most church members in our conference, like, would all, they'd be all say, like, saying, Amen, like, of course, like, yes, you know. That's no secret to us. Like we need to be friendly and we, we need to be generous and loving and kind in our own churches and mm. towards our communities. And this will have a drawing power. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so now what? Right? Like, because it's like, okay, we, we, we yeah, let's, let's be friendly. And um, I, I think but, we can talk about the various areas where, where we are called to be friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we... We force ourselves to be friendly at, at church, but, you know, but what about the, the street where we live? What about the workplace? Yeah. What about when we go on a holiday? You know, because we, we never stop being imitators of God. Mm -hmm. you, you can't take a break from that. Yeah. You know, Enoch walked with God on a daily basis. It wasn't just on a Sabbath. And we may talk about principles, but, but they apply to every single aspect of life. Right. So I have two questions, that, and that, I appreciate what you're saying. So I have two questions. One, what does it mean to be friendly? We can all break it down and talk about different attributes of friendliness. Mm. And then, because I know that some people will think that being friendly is just smiling a lot, right? Like a, or a certain personality type. 
So there might be somebody out there who's kind of a maybe choleric, melancholy type person who's not like out there and sanguine and always like outgoing and they might think to themselves, well, I guess I, you know, I'm not friendly because I have a certain personality, but I don't think that friendliness is a personality necessarily. It's probably, it's deeper than that. But, so what, is, what, is, what does it mean to be friendly, practically speaking? What are attributes of friendliness? And then secondly, um, how do we become more friendly? Because, like, I, I don't think that if you interviewed all of our church membership that universally we would say, yeah, our churches are just really friendly places. I think that they are pretty friendly. I always experience a lot of friendliness mm. in the churches mm. that I attend. But I've heard other people say, like, oh, our church needs to be more friendly or more welcoming or whatever. I hear lots of that all the time. So, okay, so how do we improve that, right? Like, so those are the two questions I was thinking of. What is, you want to address any of those two? Well, I'm or? wondering, is there a difference between finding a church that is friendly and going to a church where you actually develop true friendships? Mm-hmm. Because people can be nice to you and they smile and they, they, they shake your hand in, in times where you can shake your hand. Yes. Not the <laughs> right. um, but what about people that take an interest in your life? For example, if you're, if you're missing, they'll notice your absence. Yeah. Isn't that one of the greatest things? For your absence to be noticed and for people to follow up, mm-hmm. check in with you. You know, are you right. okay? What happened? Um, and for them, you know, to be able to call them at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I need your help with this. You know, yeah. how many people can you count that you can call up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I need your help? You know, this is, I think this is the difference yeah. between having true friends that you can count on and just people that are being nice to you. Right. And the question for us should be this, you know, Am I one of those friends that people can count on? Yeah. They can reach out to me anytime. And also they, they, they can find within me. And if someone misses, I, I notice their absence and I, I check in with them. Mm-hmm. And I see, let's go there. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess there is a difference between, yeah, just superficial. Yeah, on the surface. On the surface friendliness. And then like, wow, someone's really concerned about you on a deeper level. And I guess, yeah, that's for me something... But I have to ask myself, do I want people to just be superficially friendly with me? Or do I want people to really care for me? You know, for that's ex- different. Yeah, for example, Matt, let, let's say I'm here with you in this office and we talk about life. And, and then I say, look, by the way, in two days I've got this medical appointment. I'm quite stressed, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, the doctor is uncertain, but we're going to have some results. You know, and we finish the chat, we move on. Mm-hmm. You know what would be amazing? from my perspective, right. is on Wednesday, or not, for example, the day after my medical appointment to get a call from you, mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, you mentioned you had a medical appointment, you were stressed, I prayed right. for you, how did you go? Yeah, totally. You know, it's for you, for us to take note of the events that are taking place in people's lives. In someone's life. Yeah. Mm. You know, I was reading this article, and in a way it applies to the, the church setting, because mm. sometimes God brings people into our church, you know, new, new, new people. Yeah. And... Um, uh, in this article, they were saying, why don't we use the word gift as an acronym to help us be intentional in, in being friendly mm-hmm. in, in a true sense of the word to those that God is bringing into our lives, especially yeah. in a church setting. And, and when you think of the word gift as an acronym, it said G, we stand uh, for greet, you know, go and greet that person and walk across the room, be the first one. Yeah, right. Uh, don't, don't let them see it on their own. Mm-hmm. So G would be for greet. Now I would be for introduce. Now take that person and introduce them to someone, to else. someone else. Enlarge uh, the circle. And as you do that, you, you end up finding more about them and you already create a network mm-hmm. that would be you know, really good for that new person. F would be for follow up. You know, don't, don't forget about them. Right. Follow up. You know, check with them. 
check in with them I throughout like the it. week. Yeah. And then last one, last letter, T. Thank someone that did something special, you know, or, or thank them for what he did or for being there or try to find something that you can thank them for. Right. Dude, that's yeah. really So gift, good. you know, that's greet them, introduce, introduce them, follow, follow them up, and then thank them. Thank them. Dude, that's really good. Sometimes people don't are afraid to be friendly like that, like just go and greet someone because they're just not sure if someone wants it. That's right. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that with people, right? Like they'll they'll be hesitant to kind of put themselves out there. Mm. But that that makes my mind go back to the First John four nineteen. We love God because He first. He first. So it's like, yeah, I have this friend named Jen Jill, and she's, she used to always say to me, um, I'm reading a book of hers right now. It's really good. Um, but um, she she used to say, someone has to be Jesus first. Mm, mm. So yeah. who's going to cross the bridge, and who's going to yes. break the ice, and who's going to put themselves out there and risk being a little you know, rejected? Or And look, let me tell you a little story. When I was at college and going through the whole ministry theology training, you know, yep. um, in my second year, we were encouraged, look, go look around churches in this area, but find a church where you're going to attend every Sabbath for, for the remaining of the year. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I prayed, and we started to, to visit a number of churches, and we said, God, we need some, some clear direction. And uh, after visiting, you know, some churches were interesting, and we felt like it's not like they, they, they're sort of full, they don't need us here, you know, let's right. keep, keep going. And we, we came across this church, and... Uh, they were so thrilled to, to have us. I mean, they didn't know us, but they were happy to, to have us there as a couple. Mm -hmm. And I actually re realized that they've practiced the gift that I've just mentioned, this they acronym. They were doing it because they greeted us and they took us around introducing us to other young people. And they, they wanted on the spot, look, why don't you come and assist us with this ministry? All right, they just roped you in. And for us, awesome. we looked at them and said, it looks like this is the place where God wants us to serve. And it's been like an amazing period in our life. We left with many friends and memories from that place of worship. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, Paul says in, in the New Testament, the love of God compels me. Mm. Why should we do it? Why should I walk across the room? Why should I, you know, go beyond my, my timidity? Yeah. It's because the love of God compels me. Yeah. And we need to offer this, this gift in, in its full acronym yeah. to those around us. That's really good. So I was thinking, when you care more for someone else or when you're choosing to care more for someone else than you care about how they may respond to you caring about them right then you'll generally be nice and friendly right so just put yourself in a social situation and there's a person you don't know or a person at your church they've just come in or whatever or a neighbor that you've never met um, if you're worried more about what may come of a mm. conversation if it doesn't go the best or you look awkward, or you say something silly, or whatever. Yes. If you're worried more about that, then you're worried about just showing them kindness, showing them friendliness. Then you won't show them kindness. So it's like putting their feelings and your concern for them above your concern for how you feel or how you look or what might come of an interaction. But then I was thinking, yeah, but how can you do that if you're yourself not full or, or filled? And that would just be, that would just go back to the whole, you need to see how God sees you, mm. right? Like, God initiated for you. God constantly does for you. And I found, this is a funny thing for me, is people oftentimes see me as outgoing just because I have been outgoing in my life a lot. But it's not always pleasant. Like it's not, when I say this, I'm not saying everyone thinks I'm outgoing because 
as a conference worker, you have you're so divided as you you're finding out now being in the office. You have so many people drawing you from so many different directions. It can be quite disorienting and challenging. Mm. And sometimes mm. you kind of draw back from that and you think, yes. I just want to be with my family and and just like disappear for a, a little shell. I've been, in this office, that's right, I've been in the conference for eight years now and I sometimes can feel like, oh, I just want to disappear for the next eight years, you know, because you're just so much emotional needs that people mm. have and so much, you just get so divided. But I've always been known as an outgoing person. But I, I really think, I've, I don't really see myself as that outgoing. I think every single time I think to myself, like, okay, there's a person, just go talk to them. I think I think you don't have to feel like super good about doing that to do it. I think you just have to commit on principle that you're just going to throw yourself out there because Jesus just threw himself out there for you and you're just going to go out there and ask questions and be nice and engage in whatever way that you can, right? So I feel like so so I'm just saying this because I know that there are people out there who might think to themselves like I'm just not an outgoing person, and sometimes I just feel really empty and low myself, and I need someone to be friendly to me. Mm. And I get that. Like, I'm not unsympathetic to that. But, um, but in the context of a church and a group of believers who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of Scripture, I think sometimes you just go in your, in your head, you just say, well, that, that person's over there, and they're new and uncomfortable, and I'm going to go be friendly, or there's my neighbor over there, and I'm going to go get to know them. You know, you know sometimes from our probably sad experiences we learn what others might be going through you know when we if if you've ever went to a church or to a place workplace and no one really noticed you and you feel all alone mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like this is really terrible but you understand how others might feel when no one really takes notice mm-hmm. of them so next time when you see someone alone you remember your sad experience and you reach out in order to comfort so they will have a, a different yeah well, type that's of, good. and you no, know, here we're talking about evangelism Mm-hmm. And we're talking, you know, what's the purpose of, uh, of friendship? You know, Jesus created, you know, he, he emphasized the idea of friendship in his ministry. He developed friendship with his disciples. Mm-hmm. He developed friendship with, with people that were following him. And, and some decided to, to go away, but uh, others really, really stayed and followed him. Yeah. And I, I'm remembered, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reminded of this statement again from Ministry of Healing that Ellen White wrote. It says, the strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. This is the strongest argument in favor of the gospel. Mm. It is a life transformed by the power of God's grace. Mm. You know, we, we can share a lot of messages, but, you know, but that, that message can be empowered by a, a loving and lovable uh, Christian yeah. life. Oh, it's so good. So, okay, I went to this church in America it wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad it was in America, I've, not I've never in Australia. I've never seen this happen in Australia. It's actually quite common for churches in the U.S., at least in my experience, to do this. But it was probably right before the song service at the introduction, like just someone was welcoming everyone mm, to worship. Mm. And this uh, fellow said, oh, this is a friendly church. We're one of the friendliest churches in town. And then he said, and now's the time where we greet those who are sitting next to us. And so if you're, if, if you're sitting next to someone, shake their hand and say, I'm glad you're in church. And you know, he gave instructions on what to do. Now, I think that that's great, right? Like, I think mm. that's fine to do that. It's and a good encouragement. It's a good encouragement. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I didn't judge that church negatively. But one of the things I did think when I was in that church was that if the church was so terribly friendly, 
then why would you need to provide a specific time in the midst of your church service for people to greet each other and be friendly? Because surely if it was a really friendly church, they would be talking after church, they would be talking or outside of before, church, they would be yeah. talking before church, they would be associated. Happening. They'd be the body of Christ who interacts weekly like they did next the book of Acts. And so anyways, um, without judgment or condemnation for them for doing that, I think that was a constructive step in, mm. in becoming more friendly, and that's great. But That very thing was emphasizing that, the fact that it's not happening right, automatically. That, yes. Yeah, to a degree. Like you'd never in your church go, we really need to have this time in the middle of the church service where we intentionally shake each other's hands and be friendly if in fact that's what was happening in your church. So I, I wanted to just say I, I feel that uh, we really as a church community need to consider that. Mm. Like what process do we need to individually and corporately go through so that we are, so that no one could deny. Like no one could deny, boy that was a friendly church. And where it's not contrived, it's not put on, it's not like well we've got to kind of check this box and be friendly because that's what we're trying to be but rather where we become friendly. And, and of course, you know, there's limits to this because I do, I'm always sensitive when I speak about how someone may be responding. And there could be people listening to us who go, man, dude, I got like a bunch of kids. I got four kids. I got mm. a job. I got a house. I got a certain amount of friends. I'm just like starving for time. I don't have time. And now you're going to sit here and make me feel more guilty because I don't have like 16 more friends, right? And so I, I know that there's, you don't take what we're saying to its illogical conclusion. Like, obviously, there's certain boundaries we have to have in our lives, and we can't be a friend to 5,000 people. I like that, yes. Right? Like, yes. It, it's that's a good point. That's not what we're addressing mm. necessarily. We're not saying. That, I mean, Jesus didn't have 5,000 friends. That's right. He had 12 disciples, yes. and then he had 70, and yeah. then he had. And even within to the 12. those 12, he had three. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of people think of him as like, boy, he was just like kicking it personally with 5,000 people, but he wasn't. He was so he, he would also take notice of what's happening in people's lives and minister to them at a particular level, but then there would be another group where he would invest at a more, deeper level. That's right. You yes. have to, that's right. He had concentric circles where mm. he gave more of himself to, you know, the closer you were to him in those, that series of circles, the more time you got with him. But, um, but, so, but I would say, though, what process do we as a church community and as individuals need to go through? We're just more friendly where we really are. Mm. And, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, th I think you, you've actually mentioned that process. It was the process where Jesus breathed unto his disciples, Holy Spirit. Right. And I think for me individually is the desire to be baptized with the Spirit of God on a daily basis that I, I place my, myself in his life and I say, today, use me. Yep. that I may be a blessing in someone's life, mm -hmm. to intentionally desire, yeah. uh, not only for, for me to receive blessing, but for me to be a blessing in the lives of others. For without me, you can do nothing. That's what Christ said. So, dude, I told you about this, and I'm gonna, I have to say it because I can't resist. We're, we're, we're right on time here. and We're just about done. And I'll let you have the closing remarks, but I wanted to make mention of this uh, camp meeting that a mm -hmm. guy went to. So, uh, you may have heard of a civil rights activist named Martin Luther King Jr., but you probably haven't heard, if you're the typical New South Wales resident, uh, of a guy named Malcolm X. Malcolm X was fighting for the civil liberty of, uh, of black Americans in the 1960s and 70s, but he was of a different kind than Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s basic perspective was uh, nonviolent resistance. You know, He learned from Gandhi, who learned from Jesus, that you change civilization not by force, but by changing hearts. And so he basically preached this idea of nonviolent resistance. But Malcolm X basically preached violent resistance, and, and his mantra was, by all means necessary. Anyways, 
I've read about an occasion where Malcolm X, in one of his journals, recounts going to a Seventh-day Adventist camp meeting because his mom was taking interest in the Adventist faith, and she brought her son Malcolm to this uh, Seventh-day Adventist camp meeting, which was mm. at the, the, where she was attending was basically all white people at this particular camp meeting. Not that there weren't black Adventists at the time, but anyways, these were mostly white people. And he writes in regards to Seventh-day Adventists that at that camp meeting, they were the friendliest white people hmm. he had ever met in his entire life. Hallelujah. It was kind of interesting. And so you've got very divided time in the history yeah. of the United States, and you've got this you know, strong push mm. for civil liberty, and you've got part of those pushing for civil, li civil liberty who are just militant and angry like Malcolm, but obviously he became that years after he met these white people in this camp meeting. But then you had the Martin Luther King Jr. types who were, yeah, more, we're, this is the brotherhood of humanity, we love you, please love us. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek, let's be like Jesus, and this is the way. And so anyways, Malcolm, after he had become this militant, angry, guy who had no incentive to say that there was a group of nice white people because he was just saying, hey, we'll smash you. We'll start our own country. Um, he writes and says, this is a beautiful, they were just the loveliest mm. white people. They were so nice to me. And I've thought about that a lot. And I, I think that what this group of people was experiencing what you're saying. This was a deeply converted group of people, whoever they were, and they were living as if Jesus was about to come. They were actualizing the Seventh-day Adventist message and they were detaching themselves from the prejudices, the perspectives of the mm. world around them, and just seeing things from the lenses of Scripture. And, uh, and I think this is why he was able to be treated the way, you know, this is why he's able to write, boy, these people are great. So, And this is an incredible story. I've never, never heard of it. It's so good, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's powerful. It's, it talks about, I mean, I'm not sure if in his memoir it talks anything about the messages, you know, they preach in that tent, mm -hmm. but what he remembers is the way he was encountered and looked after. That's true. Which talks about the power of friendship. That's and true. But and I've always thought, like, in my experience, I know this has been the case with me, because um, it takes a miracle to be born again, a miracle of the Spirit. Jesus says, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. And so we can do not, that's in essence saying, you are what you are, and there's nothing you can do about it. You need a yeah. Holy Spirit miracle mm. to give you new birth, and it takes the power of God. So if I have a hard, stony heart, and if Paul says, which is the word of God, the prophet says, the carnal mind is at enmity with God, and it's not subject to the law of God, which is the law of love, this is saying I can't be love, loving and kind and nice in myself, no matter how jovial a personality I, I am. And so deep, profound connection with God is necessary to be truly friendly. Everything else is just fake. Mm, mm. Everything else is just, you're just putting on. And you know, while this, this, this whole ideal seems to be impossible to, yeah. to be reached, I'm confident by the promise from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where it says, it is God who gives you both the will and the power mm. to do what is good. Amen. You know, and I love this idea. He, he plants that desire in your heart to do what is right, to be the good friend, to be the blessing. Yes. To show that love. And once yeah. He gives you that desire, He enables you with divine power. Amen. You know, well, it, the, the, you know, talking to Peter, Jesus said, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> and we all have that struggle. It's an ongoing struggle, right? Until Christ returns, we're going to have that, that struggle between the, the spirit and the flesh. Yeah. But we have also the promise that uh, God gives us both the will mm -hmm. and the power. Amen. Do what is right. Amen. Well, brother, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys for joining us. We hope that you've been blessed and, and uplifted through mm. the scripture. And uh, I'm going to ask Abel if you'd uh, just pray for the saints. Yes. You let them go. Yes. Let's pray.
Loving Father, we want to thank you that uh, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, but also He's our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. We want to thank you that we can say that. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall afresh upon us. Help us to be the friends that people around us um, need. And Lord, may we uh, may the love that we receive from you, mm -hmm. may we disperse it upon those around us. So Lord, as we take this message on board, Help us um, to, to live our lives in such a way that will be a testimony to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And guys, you can find us. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Spotify or Apple. Uh, and please just uh, subscribe to this podcast. God bless you. God Take bless care. you all. Thanks, Matt.